Well, how's it going, Rudy? Good, Jordy. How are you doing? I'm doing happy fine. Thanksgiving. Happy, happy belated Thanksgiving uh, and yeah. happy late past Black Friday and all that crap. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get anything? Get any swag? Uh, no. Well, not yet. Uh, Ashley and I are, are buying a new bed. So, yo, finally, about uh, time. Yeah. So we're getting we're getting a bigger bed and uh, comfier one. <laughs> is that a, what is that going to be? A California king? Uh, no, no, we're going to get the king because the California king is it's bigger, but it's it's bigger in length. So mm-hmm. if you're tall, it's good for you. But uh, <laughs> we just want to have more like arm space. You just want so. more. You just want you just want to be able to get away from each other. I see. Oh man, that yeah. bad already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How was your apart, how was your Thanksgiving? I know that I know that you were on the road. Yeah, uh, I took some time off of work, and um, uh, Ashley and I decided that we were going to go see the Grand Canyon and have kind of like a um, sort of honeymoon that we didn't get. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And so we we drove out there and we spent some time in the Grand Canyon. Uh, we went also to Zion National Park, and um, spent some time at the gravesite of Ashley's uh, grandparents. So we just prayed rosary there. uh, They're buried out there. uh, They're buried in Vegas. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So we stopped there for the night and uh, we, we just didn't want to do a lot of driving, uh, you know, because we do a lot of road trips and the thing that happens is we inevitably like get overzealous. So we drive a lot. And we just don't really have a lot of time to enjoy the places that we see. So yeah. we're like, nah, let's just slow down and take it, take it one day at a time. So especially that part of the world, because I'm in love with I'm in love with the West. I think it's, oh, it's just so the, cool. and the American Southwest, Utah, Arizona. Uh, you know, like my love for New Mexico, like that, the beautiful rolling clouds on the Great Plains, driving the I-25 down to Raton and Des Moines, where my grandparents live, and just the bluffs mm-hmm. of Utah. My gosh, like you, you would never believe Beautiful. how pretty of a part of the world that is. And I've never seen—I've seen the Grand Canyon once, uh, and it's cool how like it's carved, literally just etched, as far as the eye can see. <laughs> what about you? What did you do? Well, I was here. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> Um, so let's see your family. Let me tell Yeah. So my grandparents came up, my, my padrino, my Nino, my godfather came up. And, um, so that was really nice. We played poker. I never figured my family was a poker kind, but my, I lost $10, but I lasted four hours. So pretty freaking good. I was up by, I was up to 25 and I remember I turned to Jen and I was like, can I, I think I was like, I think I want to cash out because you know me, like I'm a freaking like I can hear Dave Ramsey in my ear. (laughs) <laughs> so so uh, but Jen was like well no one else is leaving I was like okay yeah probably right so it was good it was a fun time um oh my gosh was uh no one to hold them playing in your head the whole time yeah oh that's funny my grandma actually was like you gotta know and hold them we were all like no one to hold them <laughs> um the coolest thing is for Thanksgiving uh it was nice seeing my mom my sister and my fiance um they all took charge of the kitchen. Jen made quiches for breakfast. What the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like, good. Dude, I love quiche. So that was cool. Um, my little sister has a famous macaroni and cheese. That's great. Uh, I cleaned up after, so I did my bit. <laughs> so it was good. And then I, I bought, uh, I, I, got, uh, a, I got a bed frame, a twin bed frame for Black Friday. 
and uh, and Jen's birthday present. So her birthday is on December 10th. So I had found a really, really good deal on a on a thing that I think that she she'll really like. So good. Um. So it was it's a it was a good Thanksgiving. Um. Grateful for family and grateful that we uh, decided to say screw you to lockdown because in Elbert County we don't even believe in them, which is nice. Wait, so you guys have lockdowns uh, in your county in Colorado? Okay. So yeah, so there's a lockdown in Denver in Parker where I live right now. You can only do takeout food. Uh, it's it's pretty dumb. But in Elbert County, where my parents live in the country, Hicktown, Illinois, where I'm from, there's there's no prerogative. Like there's no mass. In fact, I was I was out with some buddies yesterday, and we went to go eat at the, one of the restaurants in town, and like you know the sheriff's people were there too, and it was a full house. And th- at this point, you know, I don't I I honestly I don't wear my mask anywhere except the gym, and even then I kind of get inside, and just kind of you know pull it down so I can breathe and take on with my life. Um, Lucky you. There's, I mean, have you seen Thomas Woods' videos? Um, I'll send them to you. So he just, I mean, it's simple, right? But he talks about like with virologists and just the actual science behind how masks don't work. And if you hold up a chart, you can't tell wherever a mask mandate's been implemented or anything. Um, huh. You're going to be locked down Monday, aren't you? Yeah, we have another lockdown. So, you know, what what is our church? Our church is still open. Churches are unaffected this time, and it's kind of funny if you look in the the little clause. It says um, uh, churches, uh, places of worship, are not affected by this, and neither are protests. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> like, well, that's the that's the so, diametric split right there. You're either you either worship God or burn down the the statues. So take your pick. Yeah, it's the sacrament of the leftists to mm-hmm. protest and uh, burn and loot. I think. So. Do you, so lately I've been thinking or realizing the demonic influence, like genuinely, I I used to not be like a person who was like, oh yeah, it must be like some sort of demonic influence. But I think we're in such a time frame where like you can see like the veil of heaven get ripped away in a way. And like, you can see like the battle between good and evil rage, the, Mm -hmm. the desire for violence, destruction, abortion on demand, like anything, you know, like there's no way that that's not any sort of demonic influence. Yeah, was it you the other day that that said that um, all of the things that they they as in the culture wants now are like all of the sinful things that cry to heaven for vengeance? Was that yeah. you who said that? Uh, I've I don't yeah. It sounds like a very much a theme that I've been on. I've been I've been rereading yeah. Genesis a lot lately because one thing about Genesis that always gets stuck in my head is when God creates male and female, it, it meditates on it for a second. It's like you know God created male and female, uh, male and female. He created them in his image he created them or something along those lines right like it's mm-hmm. very very stark there and i realized like <clears throat> everything in the early books of genesis like the order that god sets in the secular marxist left despises so god creates male and female fundamentally and gives them the command to be fruitful multiply to fill the earth and subdue it to have dominion and you see the environmentalist side of of how crazy things have gotten you see how um I don't know how um how there's not even this belief that there is a biological male or a biological female uh, family, right? The purpose of getting married and having children has been completely destroyed. Just everything. It's it's almost astounding. Just like in the first two, three chapters, just the wanton destruction of, of God's law. Yeah. So. It's um it's an apocalyptic 
Convincing my words here. It's an apocalyptic um, time, it seems. You know, I I don't like to say stuff like that because, you know, uh, you kind of get looped in with crazies, but, and believe me, there's a lot of crazies who think that this is the the world, but I can't help but feel that way when you see the sorts of things that are taking place. And maybe that's just because we, you know, we're the frog boiling in the pot. You yeah, know, like yeah. We're the Americans experiencing this election fraud and like kind of sitting and in, in purgatory, you know, to yes. see what happens next. And so I, I don't know, but it, it does feel, it does feel a little bit like the end. So I, be prepared boys and girls. And that's exactly it. And live, well, live a life of virtue. So this will be good for our listeners, but, um, Advent has a lot of readings from Revelation. And mm-hmm. so the point is, just as we're preparing for the life of the world to come in the birth of Christ at Christmas, so too do we actually prepare for the final judgment when you know heaven and earth become one and what that looks like. And so this whole feeling of preparation just has to be there. And yeah. especially with the, we're on the cusp of what is going to be an extraordinary tumultuous time in the life of our country and therefore in our lives you know like really i i think that uh i think that if, if there's one thing freaking biden was right on it's dark winter for whatever reason i think that's actually a, a true thing um maybe he got it from one of the uh the palmists uh, i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> so this is so we got some we got some really good feedback from by the way from our kind of our first little trad chat which is just obviously just us kind of spitballing stuff which i think is much par for the course that's a conversational tone um so what's what's been what's been new for you in in trad land like what are you reading what are you sifting through um mm. we're still for pre cana jen and i i'll have to get the book it's goodbye um but we're reading another like of our this one we've moved from the temperaments and actually onto like the solid foundations of marriage and i think it's called marriage is everything um I think it's called Marriage is Everything. It sounds like a love song. Oh, it's called Dynamite by BTS. Uh, here it is. Oh, it's just called, it's called Husband and Wife, The Joys, Sorrows, and Glories of Married Life. And Show, show the cover. I want to see Oh, it. yeah, yeah. So there's a cover. Here are these Ooh. two. Look at these two kids. They're obviously very much uh, in Catholic matrimony. So, nice. uh, and it's true. It's about the love, uh, joys, and sorrows of married life. Um, and it's kind of cool, like, it's written in the 90s, I do believe, by, by Father Paul Wickens. And uh, very easy read, very good. So if you, uh, any of us people listening, if you're in pre-Cana, and hopefully you'll get this recommended. If you don't, this is just a great book to pick up. Um, and if you're to be married, maybe you're, you are married, uh, it's probably a good refresher course. So um, I've learned that I cannot push Jen into a lake, which is very important. <laughs> not, not you got to take uh, the cell phone out first, right? Before you oh, that's it. right. Yeah, I go world star, just <laughs> yeever. So, what else <laughs> you do? <laughs> what are you What are you reading recently? Anything? Uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I have a weird reading style as of late that you can't. So, read. <laughs> I don't know how to read. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I've been doing is uh, I've been jumping between three books and. Um, uh, those are um, the first one is by Kennedy Hall, and it's called uh, it's called The Terror of Demons: Restoring Catholic Masculinity. 
Oh, yeah. Which is pretty good. I was reading that, I think, when we first started doing our quarantine episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading that, but I ended up putting it down because I thought that it would be more handy later. And I think that was the right, that was the right move because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it deals a lot with like how uh, a married man should handle the home. Oh, okay. So that's, that's a pretty good one. And then I've also been reading the screw tape letters. Yes. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. And, uh, those are really, I mean, really? I like to read one, like one letter a day, you know, oh. just kind of like see what that's all about and just kind of marinate on it because mm-hmm. man, some of these are like really, dude, they're, they're really like appropriate for, I, you know, I, um, I, so I didn't, I didn't just literally, I didn't read it, but I listened to it. Um, there's a wonderful production oh, of that? it. Yeah. I'll, I'll define the audiobook and send it to you. Uh, my buddy Willis sent it to me. That. But it was Screwtape Letters by, with, uh, it was, the main actor was Andy Serkis. So the guy who plays Gollum. Lord wow. of the Rings, and Andy Serkis, yeah. So you can, you can imagine just such a brilliant actor. And so just how he cool. dictates to, what's his nephew's name? Worm, Worm, uh, Wormroot? Uh, Wormwood. Worm, Wormwood, yeah, yeah. Wormwood. So it's Dear Uncle Screwtape. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Screwtape Letters is brilliant. Um, and I was, this is interesting. I think especially as, as traditional Catholics, but isn't it interesting how we've kind of, we kind of softly baptized C.S. Lewis? <laughs> I mean, we, and yeah, he's, he's canonized. Yeah. I mean, we, every, like across the whole of Christianity, we've all kind of agreed that, that Lewis is, no one can really claim Lewis exclusively. Well, wasn't there like a rumor that he converted at the end of his life? I don't, but, yeah, but I don't. How could you? that anyway well here's the thing too i mean if you read his reasonings or maybe his lack of reasonings for why he stayed anglican because remember c.s lewis comes from a northern irish protestant family so what people have to remember is that uh you know as with a lot of things we do in our life sometimes you lose everything by conversion which is par for the course don't get me wrong it's not like mm-hmm. i'm you know but uh you know but I mean, he was, he was Anglican, so there was so many things close to Catholicism. He, I mean, I, I think that he's, he's, I think he was certainly Anglo-Catholic, like in an authentic kind of old way. Certainly not evangelical. Um, maybe, but, maybe he would have gotten the, um, the dispensation if that was like available to him. What's the dis- still alive. What's the dispensation? Wasn't, well, some of the Anglican churches like, um, uh, What's what's um uh Charles Colomb was talking about that some mm. of the Anglican churches were were absorbed into the Catholic Church. Right, um, right, right. But that petition for it. Right, but that's come that, that came, been much that came much later, unfortunately. Um Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like I wonder if that happened during his time if he would Oh, like if he did privately like, or something? If he would have done it. Yeah. Mm, maybe. I mean I would kill to have been a fly on the wall between the conversations between him and Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, he talks about, I'll have to find the quote, um, but he talks about like how he sees Catholicism and how he sees how Catholics see Protestantism, that Protestantism, I, I'm going to butcher it and I'll find it later, but Protestantism seems like a, like a parch or a Protestantism seems like a parched desert where there's not a drop of water. And to the Catholic, to the Protestant looking on the Catholic, it seems like Catholicism is like an overgrown jungle or something like that. Uh, hmm. anyway, uh, screw tape letter is awesome. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, all you have to do is like cross over the tree line to see that it's like 
a beautiful valley. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. Well, or here's the thing. Exactly. You just have to kind of, you, what you need to do is you just need to be armed with your machete. <laughs> just right. Like, you know? Uh, so what else? Anything else? Uh, yeah. I'm reading my boy. Wait, who's your boy? Oh, wait a second. The boy? Ooh. The big boy. The big boy. The big, the big, the big L. My, my favorite, my favorite Catholic. And it's going to scandalize some of you guys. I know. Yo, we I've already run into a few people who were scandalized that, you know, we like the, the, the S word, the society. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm reading. Oh shoot! And we just got canceled. And we just got canceled. (laughs) Yeah, we just got deplatformed. We just got deplatformed. Catholic YouTube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, uh, Timothy Gordon. Hello. (laughs) Hey, uh, Gordon Bros. Uh, No, uh are we still gonna have a show together? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Okay, so so I'm I'm let maybe we should tell our audience some stuff because I think that we. Here on the Glad Shed podcast, I think it's something nice. And there, there's something in the Catholic world, especially in the world of podcasts and stuff, which is kind of unfortunate, which is like, I'm extremely grateful that uh, TNT was happening for those couple of years when it did. Like, I needed that. That summer of shame needed the antidote. Um, it really broke. I, I'm sure that there were plenty of other reasons. Um, the fact that well, that's how we that's how we got started. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Somehow. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's part of it. Right. I feel like I feel like there's this, especially about the about the society, and I'm sure we'll get into like I can pull up, I'll pull up like there's like an article from One Peter Five that I really like on like what is the standing of the society and what does it actually mean, because I think the society is like the Voldemort of the Catholic Church. It's and you remember this? I okay, I'll tell a story because do you remember when I first started going to the fraternity of Saint Peter, and we went to we went to Beacon at Saint John's Seminary, which was like a uh, like a youth retreat thing, I guess you'd say. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, I told, and you guys were all good my, hot dogs there. Great hot dogs, great hot dogs. And the last year that we went, uh, their mass, the Novus Ordo was, I was like, that's probably what it should look like if you're going to have a Novus Ordo. Then they put out that band for adoration. I got really mad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but do you remember, I, I, I said to you and the rest of the St. Finbar crew, I was like, I'm going to the, to the FSSP is what I said. Do you remember what you said to me? <laughs> yeah, I dare remember. Yeah, you were like, you were like are you like, aren't they in schism or something like that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, if we could I didn't even that. know the fraternity was a thing. I just mm-hmm. knew about the society and yeah. lump people together. Man, dude, I know. Red pill. Now look at you. You've surpassed me in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, you know what? I was, I was laughing on the road trip. Uh, and Ashley looked at me and she was like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, nothing. But I, but I was thinking to myself yeah. <laughs> that uh, we, we've changed so much in the last five years yeah. uh, from where we started. And now we're just in love with tradition and, and trying our very best to bring other people into it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do remember that, that beacon. Beacon is, um, I don't know if it's still a thing. But it was uh, it was a pretty big deal at the time because um, it was the largest young adult event in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. So they would throw like um, like a hip talk and some musical entertainment mm-hmm. and food and stuff at the seminary at St. John's um, in Camarillo. 
and everybody would go there and get together. And the first year I think was, uh, I think the, the speaker was the priest that we both knew. And, um, and so that drew a pretty big crowd. And I think the second year they were trying to get the, uh, this was before he was a bishop, but they were trying to get Father Robert Barron to do the talks. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think he canceled last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, the events started getting worse and worse. It was just like random mishmash. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? Uh, I think Bishop Barron or Robert Barron, Father Robert Barron at the time, did like a talk eventually. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was Brandon Vaught, whoever the the like buff uh, weightlifter guy, guy is. Oh, that's that's not Brandon Vaught. Brandon Vaught's not buff, is he? I don't know. Brandon, if you're listening, <laughs> send a picture uh, to us, please. But I don't think you're the buff one. <laughs> uh, dude, yeah, I, I feel like... And here's the thing, because think about this. You said to yourself, five years ago, how much of a different place we were in. Mm-hmm. Like what people need to realize, especially as they kind of approach tradition and they see the infighting or they're kind of don't know where to go off is that the end, and even, even outside of maybe the scope of what traditional Catholicism is. Um, again, I, I think what makes our podcast kind of good and a good position where it is, is I think that we are extremely fair, both to our, our Latin supremacy viewpoints, obviously, you know, the return to tradition, but also, um, I would not deny the the genuine piety that so many of my family members and so many of our friends have exhibited, uh, despite kind of being and, and even that we exhibited at the time of the Novus Ordo. Like I feel like we've fallen more in love with Christ, and because of that, we've discovered more of the of the truth and tradition of of the faith, rather than just not having like a sort of relationship at all. You know. Well, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I feel like. When you, when you become a traditional Catholic or you, you really start to look for the first time in your life earnestly at what is happening in the church, you get so unsettled because you realize there's just so many treasures that have been lost. And so my example, again, is this. The last year I went to Beacon, and I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I went, um, particularly that first year. You know, I think it's good to be with young Catholics praising Christ. We, we had, there was a Eucharistic procession, it was, you know, but... You know, I, for adoration, the first year it was quiet and it was reverent, and that's exactly how adoration should be. Like, here is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord right in front of you, and for an hour you are undivided. But the second year they brought in like the worst genre, right? Which is like the Christian light rock vamp band. Um, yeah, who was that? It was like it was like a really big deal. I oh can't yeah, yeah. It is, but I mean, and it all sounds the same. But worse yet, it's like what it does is it takes adoration where we are united with our head and our heart and our soul. And it just makes it an emotional schlock. And if you yeah. don't feel like you have the spirit within you, right. It's a very, it's a very, it's a problem with like some parts of the evangelical Protestantism or Pentecostalism, right? Like if you, there has to be an emotional reaction. Otherwise you just don't have it. Um, yeah. And I couldn't pray. And that's what really made me mad is I know mm-hmm. that, I know that there are people who do praise and worship and they, they surround themselves with Jesus and they, you know, or charismatic Catholics and they'll be like, no, no, dude, like that's how I pray. Like whatever. And, all prayer is, is good and fulfilling. But in terms of how the church should structure the seriousness of, of what is happening, the spiritual reality, we don't, you know, we should have music, obviously, that, that reverences mm-hmm. God in the highest kind of sensibility that doesn't just, that really gives the best to him, you know, and music that, that 
it's like, look, like I don't listen to chant just like willy nilly. I'll do some polyphony, but mm-hmm. there's a reason why this is becoming more attractive to younger Catholics. And it's because for the well, first I time think- I think in pray, yeah, and I think they did a really good job initially because what they did was they brought in some of the old mm. uh, that a lot of people weren't accustomed yeah. to yeah. or had ever seen before. So there was a lot of Latin that they included mm-hmm. um, in the mass. It was still Novus Ordo, but they included some some hymns in Latin. Cool. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. um, uh, obviously during adoration, and then we also did the uh, procession. Yeah, and we did a litany of the saints while we were doing all that, and it was mm-hmm. all very—it was very externally and internally traditional. Yep, and uh, I really liked that. And then I think they were on to something. I think they—they they understood that that was interesting to the people, yeah, the youngsters that were coming out, and um, for some reason, they just thought that it's just good enough for one night, like. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not common. If you go to other churches, Novus Ordo churches, this, this isn't a common thing. No, to include Latin, to do any of the traditional prayers. To well, you know, you know what it is? It's like it's like it's almost like uh, Charles Clum talked about how like there was like the one liturgical parish back in the day, you know, and the other one mm-hmm. weren't up to snuff. But it's like they've instead of saying we need to get the other parishes up to snuff, it's like we roll out the the Ursus Antiquia when we roll out the ancient solemnity of Catholicism, and then we go. Haha, <laughs> but good thing that that's just grandpa's on the shelf again. <laughs> and, and yeah, and so again, they wonder like why so many young people are turning to tradition. Why? And, and in higher fidelity and higher birth rates and higher everything. And we're like, look, the ancient stuff worked for 2000 years because it brings us to Christ in such a radical way. Not saying that you can't yeah. get through Christ again through just praise and worship or something, but for a lot, there are a lot of charismatic Catholics that, that realize that there is an upkeep that you have to do in, in, the, in the charism, right? And I think that there's a better shelf just because of the weight of history that you can rest in tradition. And it just kind of works. So, which is also brought because I know that, like I remember I'd grown up as an Orthodox Order Catholic, um, Archbishop Lefebvre and the Society of Pius X really was the bad word. You know, and we always and we assumed yeah, the that they were, in, yeah, the boogeyman, and always in schism. Do you remember that? That the SSX mm-hmm. was of all anything, they were always in schism. Um, yeah. But that's not true. Which, which I think, I think in the church, like the equivalent to like the secular world is like calling somebody a racist. Yeah, like in yeah. the church, to say, oh, they're schismatic. It's it's very dismissive, and yeah. I don't think I ever gave any sort of thought to it or even look at as like gospel like oh, okay they're in schism mm-hmm. you know and then you parrot it and um i guess we'll get into it later but no they're not in schism you know yeah um for you going into tradition what was kind of the red pill moment with this society because i think for both of us here's here's where i'm at and i know you'll explain where you're at so I, I've always been really careful. I've, I've always said I've had a, I have a historical sympathy for society that I really wish was just healed over now because I know that the farther, it is true, like the society is not just, the society is a coherent unit anymore. There's the SSPX Reloaded or whatever they're called. 
Like, the, <laughs> like <laughs> there's the Society of Pius V, which are full SSPX schismatic. Two. Yeah, SSPX two is like these reloaded. Those guys are schism- are our actual uh, set of contests, <laughs> aren't they? Too. Like there's like the SSPX. I don't know about which, them. Right. Well, that's the thing, and you don't want to know because they're saying that the, they're saying that the society isn't traditional enough. If you can like, <clears throat> oh man. Yeah, it's like it's like, but which is good, right? Because I do think that inside traditional Catholicism, just in every part of the church, like there are normal people. And when you have weird people, it kind of differentiates. In the Novus Ordo, the weird people are liberal Catholics, mm-hmm. right? Who like put their statues out of St. Francis and all of, his, uh, all of his animals and stuff. And then tell you that contraception and abortion are great. Um, and in traditional <laughs> Catholicism, like you have, there are people who have some, it's not just like infiltration historical theories, because that's like sound. There are people that have some really weird kind of like real, like, like genuine rigidity kind of methods where it's like if you look at me on friday (laughs) you know you'll be cucked over um and i feel bad because i think that like there are great there are commenters (laughs) 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 well that's a that's a that's a um that's a uh that's a phrase in the church look it up i'm just cucked over (laughs) um but what I hate so much is I, I, and I think we've been really good about this. And I think our podcast can kind of lend a good position to this because oftentimes you'll hear that there's these radical trads online and you know, they're, they're so mean and they're so hateful. And uh, that certainly can be true, but I think that there are, is a greater preponderance of traditionalists coming out now who are just like you and me, they're regular guys who are in love with Jesus and want to do what Christ and Christ church dictates. Uh, and also are not afraid to be like, we, we have, it's not like full on trauma, but we have had experience of liturgical abuse. And it's okay to, for the first time in our histories to be like, that wasn't okay. It wasn't okay that mm-hmm. father danced down the aisle with a tambourine and expected me to take the faith seriously. It wasn't okay that there's the uh, LA Religious Education Congress every single year that has a rat mass and a and a and a and a like a, a real like ridiculous like all the ridiculous and liturgical dancers and everything, and then for you to somehow believe that that is the exact same faith of the fraternity or of of Archbishop Lefebvre or something like that, you know. Well, we talk about this so often, and um, I think we bring it up so often because we don't really know what to make of it. Yeah, and I think maybe in time we'll figure it out, but we talk about the tale of two churches mm. and it's so obvious when you go into a Novus Ordo and you go into a tradition and you see the way things are, it's, I mean, aside from like the structure of the prayers, which are pretty similar, mm-hmm. if not the same, most of the time, like in the mass, um, besides that, it's almost like you're in a completely different place. It's almost like you're in a Protestant church. And well, I hate to say that. No, but... that, well, we know from Bugnini that that's what they did with the mass. And anyone who that goes to oh, yeah. a, a high Anglican or goes to a, go to an Anglican Episcopal or Presbyterian sort of service, high church, uh, Lutheran high church, you will find shocking similarities. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I was watching a Methodist, I was watching, a, it was a kooky Methodist um, service because uh, I do this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you time. do. You send us, you send us all uh-huh. the videos. I find some stuff in the drag <laughs> heap. And I'm just like, wow, it's incredible mm-hmm. how this doesn't, like, this isn't the mass of the ages. 
Jordan, but, we should do a super cut of like all the bad cancerous videos that you send dude, us. Dude, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Let us know if you want that because we have some doozies. Uh, but what I think is, to your point, is this. What, what uh, Archbishop Lefebvre and the society are a reminder of, especially back in the 70s and the 80s, was that there is a remnant of the Catholic Church that still looks like the Catholic Church as it's looked for an extremely long amount of time. And when people accuse the society of schism as being schismatic and her- heretical, which is completely untrue, even by the church's own ruling, um, they can't find a reason. And the only thing they can think of is they dissent from Vatican II, which is... Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because you said they look like the old church, but I, I also want to add that they they hold fast to the the tradition of the church that yeah. we've had yeah. uh, up, up to before the, the Vatican council, the second Vatican council where mm-hmm. doctrinally nothing really changed, but in a way it sort of did not officially, but in a way it kind of yeah. did. I mean, we've talked about it too. We've talked about dignitatis humanae and mm-hmm. you know, the, the relation between Catholics and, and other denominations of, of religions and that sort of thing. And it seems as if they're equated, um, and the society never went along with that. Yeah. The society was was very steadfast and they they asked the questions, they did everything the way that they should have done it and they never got an answer. Mm-hmm. On those sorts of questions. In fact, they got um they almost got their arm twisted into doing and accepting a lot of these things that uh, many people went along with and that now uh now that we have time uh, we can look at them through the light of tradition and see that, oh, maybe these things don't really add up. Yeah. You know, maybe they don't, they don't pass the, uh, the litmus test of tradition. Yeah. So for any, for any Catholic that's kind of wondering, cause I'm with you. Like I, I talked about this with my dad a lot because my dad, like I sent my dad a, a one Peter five thing. Uh, and I found the article and he was like, I don't know. Dude, you're SPX stuff. your dad so hard, bro. Dude, I know. I need to stop. But I know, I know that feeling. Cause he was like, Ooh, there's SSPX stuff. And I was like, dad, the SSPX aren't in schism. Officially for all of you who want to know the quick result, there is an article on one Peter five. It's a brilliant article. It's written by uh, Peter. Uh, uh, oh gosh. What's his Peter five. Qua- yeah. Quasi <laughs> Kwasowski. <laughs> Peter, the guy, Peter K, we all know him. Uh, and it's, is it ever okay to take shelter in an SSPX mass? I'll link the article below. Yes. It is. <laughs> yeah, don't spoil it. Uh, <laughs> and so it talks about, first off, what, where does the society stand in with the church and what does that actually mean? What you'll discover is that the, all of the society's things is, in regards to the church are its legalese canonical status. There isn't an opinion that the society holds as a unit, except, you know, at least the church hasn't ever accused them uh, for their sometimes saying that, uh, what, the new mass is, um, what does it say? It's, they, they say it's valid but illicit or that it's... Uh, uh, it's deficient. Deficient, right. Um, which I, uh, I actually... Not, not, not in grace, but in, in the very fact that uh, it's very different from what it used to be. Right. Um, and... Uh, it seems Protestantized. Yeah, so. and this is this is all true. But the question is, do they hold that? Is it a mortal sin to attend the new mass? Mm-hmm. Because, and look, that's a whole can of worms. Um, I mean, the answer is is no. Uh, 
you know, it can be depending on some things, but in terms of, of context matters, yeah. Context, ma- context matters. And as you'll see with a lot of the society things, context matters. And so let's just go through. Okay. So first off, the society of Pius X um, have validly ordained priests. Their current status in the church is canonically irregular, which mm-hmm. is to say that there is no canonical status in the church. This means the church has not ruled them as heretics. In fact, in fact, from popes, John Paul II has talked about this. Benedict has talked about this. Pope Francis, by his actions, has talked about this. They are not heretics. They're not schismatics. How do we know this? Because they are recognized as validly ordained. They have valid holy orders. But upon their, uh, according to the books, upon their ordination, they're suspended. The factories are suspended, or supposedly, because that's not even completely accurate. Um, the well, mass- I suppose we should define what a, what what heresy is, or a, okay, yeah, a heretic, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So, like for example, um, did the society leave and decide that they wanted to create a new mm-hmm. church alongside so you? I, the let's get, no. Yeah, let's get back to Lefebvre's book. So, you your book is it's called I Accuse the Council, and I'm, I'm sure he talks about because it seems like Lefebvre as as the archbishop through his dying days was extremely clear of his desire to be faithful to Rome. And even to this day, Mm -hmm. the society recognizes Pope Francis as the valid pontiff, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. So So they pray for him in the canon. mm -hmm. Yeah. And they don't roll, God willing, they don't roll their eyes doing it. (laughs) Well, you can't tell because they're facing. Yo. (laughs) They're like, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. They they just like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, needs, he needs our prayers now more than ever i i pray for his conversion quite a bit yeah um, we do too we pray for we pray for that too yeah yeah i I told my godfather this i said you know i don't pray for the pope's intentions anymore because i don't trust them but you do pray for his conversion <laughs> yeah i mean like like we were saying before context matters so we say when we're praying for the holy intentions of the pope um we add the holy intentions. i was gonna say i heard that that's good holy what a catch! <laughs> you know, I, I as you'll see throughout this whole thing, we're going to be on the society for a while. It's awesome, but I, I think about the Lefebvre was right meme, which I'm probably going to put in the thumbnail. Just that picture of him, like, kind of smiling a little bit, because Dude, Lefebvre, man, he's going to be a saint one day. You think I'm so? I'm going to name one of my kids after him. Yo, are you going to name him Marcel? You're going to name him Lefebvre? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't Lefebvre decided Carlos isn't half bad, though. Lefebvre <laughs> Carlos, no, that's bad. Marcel Lefebvre Carlos. Maybe um, it's a middle name. Right. So let Marcel me, Lefebvre Carlos. <laughs> right. So let me, let me just read the, the thing. This comes from a 1995 uh, direct quotes from Monsignor Camille Perrault of the PCED. What's a PCED? Something in the Vatican, I'm sure. Look up for me, please. The, the PCD is the... Uh, I think that was the office before the CDF. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Congregation. PCED. Mm -hmm. PCED, yeah. 1995. It's the Pontifical Commission Ecclesia Day. Oh, it's Ecclesia Day. Silly me. Okay, so perfect. So this is like the word. So Mm -hmm. again, they are validly ordained. However, they're suspended ad divinis. That is prohibited by the church from exercising their orders because of their illicit ordinations. The second point he made is the mass they celebrate are also valid. But it is considered, now this will now put a little caveat here for a second, because it says it is considered morally illicit for the faithful to participate in these masses unless they are physically or morally impeded from participation in a mass celebrated by a Catholic priest in good standing. 
this is according to Canon 844.2. The fact of not being able to assist at the celebration of the so-called Tridentine Mass is not considered sufficient motive for attending such Mass. Now, keep that phrase in mind, too, because remember, this is in 1995, before the whole of Sumorum Pontificum and Redemptionis, uh, Benedict's Redemptionis, uh, uh, something else that Benedict wrote, because Benedict's such a Chad. Um, and then this is an interesting one, the third point. While it is true that the participation in the Mass and the sacraments at the Chapel of the Society of Pius X does not of itself constitute formal adherence to schism, such adherence can come about over a period of time as one slowly imbues a mentality which separates itself from the magisterium of the Supreme Pontiff, uh, which was easier to say in 1995, I suppose, than now. But uh, uh, so we fast forward a little bit. Uh, now, Rudy, what, so what is it? So valid, but illicit, right? That means that as it, it is the mass, but it's not good or prescribed to attend the mass, right? Would that be kind of an easy layman's speak for it? Yes, and I, I think the, the crux of that argument is because they don't have the canonical status. Yeah, right. So, and this is the thing people need to understand. Again, so a lot hinges on that. Mm -hmm. And when we say canonical status, it's not like what's interesting in the article talks about this is that the Society of Pius X has been allowed to celebrate mass in extremely uh, canonically statist uh, parts of the church. So that includes the chapel at Lourdes. This includes St. Peter's Basilica. This includes the, uh, in the March for Life, the Basilica uh, in Washington, D.C. So these things, by the way, are not extended, as the article talks about, to the Orthodox. They're not extended to old Catholics. So nope. this is, so when I say that this is more of a canonical issue than a, doctri than a doctrinal issue, it's not a doctrinal issue. There's nothing that the society believes that a Roman Catholic would not have believed for the last mm -hmm. 2,000 years if the church had defined. This is, the, this is like the smoking gun. It's Archbishop Lefebvre was so firm on this. There are other groups that have broken away from the society because of that standing, actually. Um, and so you have to be careful of that. And so they pressed him further in 2002. And they wanted to, him to answer on this first uh, Cardinal, uh, this is Cardinal uh, uh, Pearl again. Um, in the strict sense, you may fulfill your Sunday obligation by attending a mass celebrated by the Society of Pius X. Second question was, is it sinful for me to attend a Pius X mass? And responded stating we've already told you that we cannot recommend your attendance at such a mass and have explained the reason why if your primary reason for attending were to manifest a desire to separate yourself from communion with the roman pontiff and those in communion with him it would be a sin if your intention is simply to participate in a mass according to the 1962 missile for the sake of devotion this would not be a sin mm -hmm. this that that's huge yeah. um and then the third question was, is it a sin for me to contribute to the society's collection on Sunday? And it says, it would seem that a modest contribution to the collection of that mass could be justified, which I thought was kind of funny because you would think that the last thing that uh, the church would want is you to give money to the society. But apparently that's right. okay. <laughs> like, that's the only thing that a lot of bishops care about clearly in the States. So um, <laughs> this, is, this is what they took away at the end of the article. Um, it is morally licit for the faithful to participate in an SSPX mass if they are physically or morally impeded from participating in another mass. Okay, that's given. That doesn't really help your traditional case if you just want to go to go, except here comes number two. An example of a moral impediment that could justify Catholics' attendance 
would be consistent and predictable liturgical abuses at local masses in violation of the rights of the faithful as articulated in Redemptionis Sacramentum, which is from Benedict, or the persistent refusal to provide the Ursus Antiquior when it has been requested in accordance with Samorum Pontificum. So if you live in a diocese where your bishop, looking at you, Sticker. Refuses mm-hmm. to give you the Latin Mass. Yeah. Which that's, is everywhere. Let's be honest. Yeah, Let's be yeah honest. right. That's, <laughs> that's an, it's an ultra vire. You, like, again, it might sound American, but you have rights as a Catholic. We have obligations to the church, right? As, as Catholics, we have obligations to the church. You have to support your, your church financially. You have to attend Mass. You have to do all these other kinds of things. Um, but they have obligations to you too. They can't just play ping pong with your soul here. Um, yeah. So this is a huge, especially now in lockdown, where there are places like the Archdiocese of Santa Fe that decided to shut its doors again. What is a Catholic to do? If you are in Santa Fe, if you're in that Archdiocese, and you know, trust to God's providence, of course, but you know what? We need the sacraments, and there are priests who are offering the sacraments right now it is morally listed for you to attend a society of Pius X chapel. Absolutely. You know, in fact, the, the very first time that I went to an SSBX church was during the lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, people are going to get scandalized by Mm -hmm. this because look, Ashley and I have set our our roots down in this, in the fraternity. Yeah. I'm part of the confraternity. I pray for their, their holy intentions, for their growth, for, for everything. Um, and I love the I love the fraternity. Um, that's where we set our roots. But my allegiance is to Christ. It's not it's not to these religious orders or you know yeah, whatever. That's right. And so so when the church closed, and I'm not going to get into that. But when a church when the church closed and we weren't able to go to mass for Easter, that was obviously very unprecedented for, for, for anyone. But for me in particular, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't, I can't not go to mass. I, I, I got fed up of watching the live stream. Yeah. I needed there. I needed to go. I needed to be there. And um, so I, I was going to go to Ashley's house for, for Easter and we were going to live stream the mass. And the whole time I was driving there, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't just sit and watch it anymore. And uh, re- I remember that Taylor, uh, Taylor Marshall had gone to the society that morning and he, he posted a tweet. And this is actually where the trad infighting really exploded mm-hmm. because, because he decided he wanted to take his family to, to mass on Easter. Uh, and so I was inspired by him and I, I went to pick up Ashley and around Ashley's house where she was living at the time before we got married. Um, was the society chapel for I think I think in LA I yeah think in LA. Arcadia so, is it? Uh, yeah Arcadia it's uh, called uh, Our Lady of the Angels I believe mm-hmm. and so I picked her up and uh, she was she was dressed up and I I was like all right well we're actually not gonna go I think we were gonna drive to a church and just mm-hmm. kind of like you know pray there for a minute and i was like no we're not doing that uh just make sure you're ready to go Mm -hmm. and we're gonna go to we're gonna go to the society and she was like really like are we really gonna do that (laughs) what a trash ashley just wanted to go to mass you know so (laughs) she didn't really ask any questions and uh 
we drove over there, there was a big line. I remember the church is on the corner of a street and there was a huge line of cars, like just waiting to get into the parking lot. And I remember thinking to myself, um, they got to do better because this is so obvious, you know, like it's obvious that there's a lot of people here and they're going into the church. And apparently they got in trouble a lot with, with that because there was a lot of people going in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we made a U-turn. We went into the the line to get into the the church, and we thought we were gonna, you know, park our car and and see mass uh, uh, from the parking lot. But what they were doing was they had an altar at the side of the building, and uh, Father, I wish I could remember his name, um, Father Burfitt, he was uh, he was doing the mass, and um, it was kind of like raining. So they were under a canopy mm-hmm. next to the building. And the way that they were doing it was every 30 minutes they were having a mass. And so when it came time in, in the mass for communion, they would have the cars drive in and then you would park your car, get out of the car, kneel, and then you would receive communion and then they would usher you out. And they gave us a little, uh, a blessed palm because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we yeah. weren't able to have those. Palms, yeah. Wow. And um, I'll never forget that moment. I mean, Ashley was bawling because mm. we hadn't we hadn't received Holy Communion in such a long time. And I I really wanted to thank the priest, but I just didn't feel like it was appropriate because you know I had just received our Blessed Lord, and I just wanted to to have that that moment with with Christ and and to offer Thanksgiving for that. Um, so we left and, um, I've been meaning to reach out to him and say, thank you. Um, well, I'm on the show. It seems, <laughs> it seems like if things get worse again, I'll probably go back. Yeah. Over there. And I, I want it's, it's important. It's really important. You have to take care of your, your spiritual life. And I know that the, some people, some people chalk it up to obedience, you know, like be obedient and do this, but look, there's only so much obedience that you can have in this situation where every single day we get new data that this this lockdown isn't doing anything the this virus isn't as big as it is and you know the survival rate and the recovery rate and all these different data points and it just it doesn't add up yeah. so i am favoring go to mass this is this is where the limit of obedience is christ says it right the Pharisees sit in the chair of Moses, therefore do as they do as they say, but not as they do. Mm-hmm. The, our bishops are bishops and we pray for them fervently. We want to support them. I don't, I don't, I, it's, it's an abusive relationship. It's like yeah. how I, it's like how I characterize what we have with the Holy Father. Like I love my dad and I really want my dad to stop hitting me. I, yeah. when I say that, that he's, a, he's a drunkard um, and, beating you yeah <laughs> which is morally <laughs> which is morally illicit by the way <laughs> yeah he's still your dad yeah he's still your Listen dad to him. yeah and you say you say yeah when dad says clean up your room say okay i'll clean up my room because that's my obligation to you dad but please stop hitting me like dad mm-hmm. stop hitting me or i'm gonna go live with mom which is perfectly valid for me to do so i just told my father and this is the you thing. may not have canonical status but i'm gonna go live with her right and the problem, <laughs> the problem is this: there are now, by your feet, you should know them. There have been so many heroic priests and bishops and good men and women of God who have demonstrated that the most important thing to do as a cleric is to administer the sacraments on the faithful. There have been countless examples of that. 
And God reward each and every one of those people, lady and clergy alike. But just like the church has been always filled with wolves and sheep clothing, what a perfect time to realize when there are men of the cloth who do not believe at the end of the day that your spiritual life and health is more important than a myth of your physical. The fact, what a slap in the face, and I'm getting mad just thinking about it, mad trads, eh? <laughs> because you haven't done that in a while. <laughs> because I watched, I watched, I watched, heck, I watched Father Fryer make socially distanced confessions the day mm-hmm. before the archdiocese shot him down. Yeah. In a world where liquor stores are open, they said no. In a world yeah. where, where Catholics are dying scared, and they are sinning and they want to go to confession. They want to do right by Christ and God's church in a world where Protestants are keeping their churches open. There are a ton of bishops who like lambs to the slaughter rolled over with whatever the States did and then have the audacity to chastise Catholics who all they want to do is be as close to Christ as they could be. Mm-hmm. And that is damned shameful. That flag fell because it freaking shook, bro. <laughs> That's good though, that one. <laughs> the flag fell because it was like Satan, Satan left the building. He was like, F this noise, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, we're fine, we're fine. And you know, just just so so touched have I been by people's stories. And I remember, I'll never forget this moment. I was able to 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 live switch for Easter, I think it was Easter Mass. Uh maybe a little after Easter mass, but the first time I'd ever seen communion distributed to the faithful, it was a choir at St. Vitus. And it was, we were doing just the live stream. Right. And after it was after mass, father Masudi had all, all the faithful come up uh, who didn't have a moral sin, of course. Uh, and I couldn't receive that day uh, and to receive our Lord. And I hadn't seen that in months. And I've, I haven't must wept. Have been beautiful. I haven't wept like that since my very first Latin mass, because I felt so wretched because I looked over and I saw our Lord and I said, this is what I've wanted. This is at the end of my soul, what I've wanted. And I can't do it because of my stupidity. I can't Mm -hmm. do it because I didn't trust enough. And I wish I could take those tears and just throw them at the feet of these men who refuse to do anything. They, there is no Eucharistic procession to open up their churches. They won't do anything. They'll allow people's souls to slip away. And what's going to happen in the midst of all the closures and the mix of everything is that they're going to come and they're going to demonize any priest, any society, any, any peoples who kept up and kept the fight going, who, who yeah. kept the Catholic banner flying. Um, and so, you know, I am, I am, I've never attended a society chapel. I've never, I've never had the, the need to in that kind of way. Right. Um, for my own personal sake, I, again, like I have a very historical sympathy for the society. I, I completely am with you in all the kinds of things. Um, it's just, there's just has never been a, a need for me. Right. But yeah. I, 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 what I realize again is there's a tale of two churches going on and this isn't specific just to one form of the mass or the other. Always. This isn't specific to it's across the church, right? There are good people just as there are bad people and by their fruits, you shall know them. And it's very clear to me that if your priest or your bishop has decided that the sacraments are not the most important, they're not siding with the side that I want to take with victory to Christ. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm so happy that you got to do that on Easter. And, yeah. you know, one thing that frustrates me, Brown, I'll end is this, like, 
you and I have had extremely long, delicate, in-depth conversations on the society, on so many things in the trad world, right? Um, but part of our love, but we do this because we fundamentally love Christ. And that means coming together as brothers at the end of the day. Um, yeah, that's where our heart is. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. and, there, and don't get me wrong, there are people who, who fight for the society because, you know, it, there's a tendency or, or a temptation in, in the trad world to, to be tribal. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you, you know, I mean, I, I feel that, I mean, I'm, that's sort of where the joke came from, you know, in our thread, you know, we, we say SSPX gang. Yeah. <laughs> gang, gang. <laughs> We're in the gang. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a joke, but you know, there, there have been moments where, where I'm like, no, SSPX, like this is it, you know, they're it. <laughs> but no, you're right. Absolutely. Our, our heart is always for Christ. Mm-hmm. We want, we want the very best liturgically, doctrinally, yeah. all of these different things. Um, and the traditional groups, they provide that. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, again, like I want, I cannot wait for the day. And I've, I've read the SSPX's descents on Vatican II, which is, which is perfect. We, we, you can do as a Catholic. That's the best part. There, there's nothing dogmatically new or doctrinally binding in Vatican II that's not there before. So when they say... Mm-hmm hey, these documents promote religious indifferentism or they deny the, the extra ecclesia sonolus salus or any of the other arguments they may make. And now what we're seeing is Catholics who aren't attuned to what the society has been saying are also going back to the documents. We've done it and just being like, yeah, you know what? This is seemingly problematic. And you can say that as a traditional Catholic or any sort of Catholic uh, and still, you know, be, and it's because you believe in the magisterium, because you believe in the Roman pontiff uh, in his proper role. It's because you believe in the sacraments. Um, I don't know. I also don't, I don't think that a lot of people are well read on it either. And, and, and I'll admit even, even with us, like we haven't read all of the yeah, documents. We just read like, we just read like parts of one and we're like, Whoa. <laughs> like, but there's a tendency, there's a tendency to hear like Archbishop Lefebvre and it's like, you, you turn off, you know, yeah. like, Nope, mm. Nope. He's bad. He he's automatically yeah. And why you can't even answer why, right? Yeah. And if you do, most of the time people are like, "Well, he was schismatic," which obviously, like, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, I think I I gained a lot of sympathy for Archbishop Lefebvre, so much so that I want to name like one of my ch- my children after him. Oh my gosh! Yeah. After I read his book, his book, his um, his book. Which one? Which one is that? It's called "An Open Letter to Confused Catholics." It's a really short read. I really, I if you're if you're Catholic, if you're listening, even if you don't like the society, just read it because it gives you context. There's always two sides to the story, right? Yeah. So it gives you context to what Archbishop Lefebvre was going through and what he was put through uh, by the Vatican. Um. In order, in order to twist his arm and like force his hand, mm-hmm. like I mean, it's a really good book. I, I lent it to Anthony, but I don't think he's yo, it. yeah, right. Well, <laughs> should have sent it to me. He's like, well, and here's a good point, right? So we we've talked about this before because one of my object, I don't even know if it was an objection, but I think it was like a fair question to raise, right? Is this Lefebvre yeah. signed the documents? He was not one of the one of the very few bishops who didn't sign the documents of Vatican II. Well, why is mm-hmm. that? And I think the answer is because, like a lot of people, especially in that time period, why wouldn't you trust the church in that right. kind of and I was not even in a radical way, but why, like, it's just business as usual. Like the last council yeah. of the church has been pretty freaking good. Like, why wouldn't you trust the documents? We've, we've grown up in the world of Fulton J. Sheen and the Baltimore Catechism and the Ursus Antiquior. And 
Lefebvre's, you know, spreading the faith in Africa. So you look at and you're like, okay, these seem really problematic. But also, it wasn't like even the traditionalists were like, okay, yeah, this is a world that 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 it's good to have a council in, in this time at this part of history. You know, I think that I think the church was due for just to short, just to I think it should have just stamped modernism all the more, denounce modernism again and communism, uh, if you want to be right. But I feel like. Um, but that's what it was. And so Lefebvre trusted that. And remember that the Novus Ordo wasn't part of Vatican II. I mean, it is in the ether, but it wasn't in the documents per se. Yeah. And when that got rolled out, and people don't realize this, but we're young trads. We didn't live through the 70s and the 80s, but we talked to Charles Clome, had a great episode with Charles Clome on growing up during the council changes and seeing the nuns ditch their habits and hearing put your hand in the hand of the man and looking at versus populum and priests tearing up sacramentals on the pulpit. And um, there are now these horror stories of people like there are priests who will tell you that certain sins are not actually sins because everybody does them. You know, uh, I've actually, I've had that in the confessional before. Oh shoot. Really? Oh geez. Confess something. Yeah. And it'll be like, I, I think, I think new priests I mean, this is, I, I think this is telltale of like how, how bad the things have gone into the church. Yeah. Um, I think they're so afraid to lose parishioners that they will tell them half truths or mm. not even the truth at all. And so when you go in there and confess something that's obviously uh, mortally sinful mm-hmm. and then hear them say, oh, well, you know, well, you know, it's as long as you guys, you know, do something else as long as you do this and, uh-huh. and try hard you know it's fine it's like dude no man i didn't come in here to to get yeah, your get a like, high five you know I, I like this is bad man don't because <laughs> what happens is you leave you leave the confessional and um for us it's different because you know we we're more traditionally mount- minded but think of the person who's not really spiritually formed and they're getting this sort of condonement. Yeah. Um, they're getting this condonement from the priest and, and uh, their life never changes. Mm-hmm. They, they never make it a, an actual effort to change their life yeah. because they, they think that, Oh, well, you know, doing my best and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'll just keep going to confession. I mean, you this know? is the, I mean, father uh, told me it's fine. And this is a perception. This is why in this tale of two churches, right? You have Catholics. Again, I'll say this to my dying day. I do not think just by the fruits that Father James Fryer believes the exact same things as Father James Martin. And it's a, you know, it's like, it's, I think that if I went to confession with one, it'd be very different than if I went to confession with the other. Yeah, Um, absolutely. There is a faction of the church, which, and, and it's not, it's not just about, um, you know, there's plenty of pastoral, that freaking word, but it's true. But there are plenty of pastoral approaches in tradition. Like, I think that I've had very good confessor priests, traditional priests, and people think, well, traditional priests must just rake you over the coals. And it's like, so, you, I mean, we deserve it for our sins. That's never happened. But yeah, I was going to say, but there's <laughs> a lot of priests just want you to be freed, for heaven's sake. Like, wh- how great is it to come to confession? To be freed and then also to know the truth of the church. And we are wired naturally for the truth. This is why... We're pouring over everything that comes out about the election. This is why we pour over every piece of history or science or music or love or poetry, all the sorts of truth which God instills in us. 
And we have been spiritually watered down for a while. And yeah. when you step into a traditional parish, fraternity, society, institute of Christ the King, diocesan, uh, canons, uh, minors or whatever, um, and you just, and it's funny, like, I'm almost not, not bored, but it's nice going to Sunday mass and being like, I know that whatever I'm going to get out of this homily today, it's just going to be, it's going to be like, almost like, yeah, it's Catholicism. It's you know? consistent. It's consistent. I want our kids to be bored with the truth. You know, I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want our kids genuinely to fight the way that we've had to fight in some places. Uh, I had a conversation with Ashley the other day and she was like, she said, I hope that our kids never see the Novus Ordo. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to see it. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. definitely going to see the Novus Ordo. I'm oh, going to take them. It. Yeah. So well, they can see what it is. Let me tell you, I love, I love Jen so much. And when, when Jen and I started courting, I had been a traditional Catholic for like a year and a half before. This was Jen's second. The second Latin mass Jen ever went to was the one where I asked her out. Uh, so... Uh, so our entire relationship has been, in fact, we had not been to a Novus Ordo together until a couple weeks ago. Uh, first at my, at my work, like a low Novus Ordo, you know, which I think is just fine. You know, it's, it's fine. Um, but it's funny because, uh, you know, Jen goes in her, in her mantia and she goes with, with her reverence and her piety and stuff. And then uh, she comes out and she goes, wow, you know, I haven't been, like we haven't been there together and being there together, like her anticipating the kiss of peace. And then it, it didn't come, thank God, but just watching her, like her hackles kind of raised. But we went to, for Sunday mass, we went to, to another one where we, we weren't allowed to go inside the sanctuary. There wasn't enough room, but that means that there wasn't enough socially distanced room. So we got put into a side room where there was a screen and all throughout mass, I could tell, like they say, we talked about this with our priest in pre-Cana, but you know, people say if, if, you know, to attend a mass, like the society, right? It's like, if causing, if going to the Novus Ordo causes you to sin. And I mean, it might give me the sin of mockery, I suppose, but I've never, I, I, I don't really get scandalized by that kind of stuff. But what happened is that there was a female Eucharistic minister that went up on the altar. There was a priest, maybe two priests, or at least a priest and deacon up there already. Hard to see in the, in the screen. And I think it even worse when there's a deacon there. It's like, (laughs) like if you and the priest did it, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. You don't need all these Eucharistic ministers. Right. Well, that's exactly it. Now my, now my, 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 uh, T.O. is a priest, not a priest. My T.O. is a deacon. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a very soft pass just for the second because I do love him too much and he's a good, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) but my point being is, so, you know, she went up there and I remember being like, she's coming into this room. Like she's coming into this room. And we decided that we didn't, we, we decided not to receive, um, you know, consecrated hands. I'm very much a believer in consecrated hands at the profundity of that. But Jen coming out was, I've never seen her so upset like that over something in the church. Like I, I, and I feel kind of bad because part of me is like, have I, have I opened up my, my future wife to sometimes the feelings that I have that I don't try to like spread to her. Like when I'm feeling particularly angry or mad or just that about a a liturgical abuse or something, like I don't want to just like, but you know, we're partners in crime. Right. And so what Jen said is she said, it's astounding to me how much we've lost and like how it's not, it's not reverent and it's not respectful. And it's just, and there was other parts of the mass too. um, You know, and you're just like, wow, I've, I've never, I, I'd never seen that before. 
And yeah. I get it now, right? I, and you're going to, you know, and for, for both of our kids when they happen, one thing that we'll have to really do as parents is, or as fathers as head of the household is how do we start to expose our kids to the context of liturgical abuse? You know, it's like, it's not proper for traditional Catholics to just like completely Benedict option and shelter, right? And look down on Novus Ordo Catholics. And it's not, it's something like that at all, right? I don't, I don't look down on anybody. Uh, I don't know, you don't either for attending the Novus Ordo. That's not, that's not the point of when we talk about liturgical abuses. We're, we're purely talking about the ics and isms on paper, what makes mass a mass, the human elements of the mass. We're not talking about if grandma wants to just hear the mass in English. That's not an issue. Um, I mean, if, well, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, well, you know what I mean though? Like, yes and no. I, I think most, I think most of my, my criticism lands on the priests. Okay. Well, that's, that's totally fine too. Yeah. Actually, that's yeah. perfect. My point being is I don't want, I don't want anyone to like think that we think less of them for their attendance in the Norris Ordo. Uh, no, no, you know, like it's, it's not, not like that. it's not like that at all, but yeah, the priest, but a priest who makes a mass into a spectacle Mm-hmm. yeah that's a whole horse of a different color or, or allows for spectacle instead of our yeah. focus on christ uh and so it's it's gonna be an interesting world and it really is like when you just kind of fall into tradition for months on end you don't go to the novus ordo um and you need to go back and you're like wow it's true there are some novus orders which are beautiful but they really are unicorns i can name on my hands how many i've seen i've been like yeah you know that's probably what it should be um i've never been to a unicorn before thomas aquinas <laughs> college I'll, I'll or or the anglican ordinary i think the anglican ordinary at mass is actually what the Norse order should should be <laughs> which is yeah uh but thomas aquinas college has by far the the best Norse. it was it was an english latin mass so it was kind of cheating <laughs> yeah um i don't know i, I think i just kind of reject the premise of of the liturgical changes like I, I have no desire to go yeah. to Nova Sordo and do that sort of thing. Actually, I, I, I was I was laughing when I told you I was chuckling to myself in the car on the drive. <laughs> I was laughing about uh, the Thanksgiving episode that we did last year, mm. which is one of our first episodes. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember saying, "Just go, just go to Nova Sordo." But now, I, over time, I'm like, mm, "Nah." <laughs> well, I. And one thing that's kind of fun about this, and this is where kind of earlier with like trad infighting is I think that Rudy and I have a really good about this. Like, I feel like there's like, there's no reason to break up over the society for heaven's sake, maybe in the seventies and the eighties, but like nowadays, like, come on. Cause everyone's in on that. Like you can't be like, you're not, you can't be a novice order purist anymore. It's freaking impossible. Are you kidding me? Like there are pots and moms <laughs> in the Vatican. Now we have way bigger fish to fry. Um, and also they're not in schism. Like the problem is like the church has, the church has said this. One thing I was going to say um, before we kind of get to more is this. So people might say, okay, well, look, you can attend the, the society mass, sure, but they're suspended priests. What about the excommunications? Of course they were lifted. But here's something interesting. Pope Francis granted permanent confession faculties to the society during the year of mercy. Now, if you watch, uh, Taylor Marshall has Archbishop, uh, or I'm sorry, just Bishop Athanasius Schneider on his show, and they have a really good SSPX segment. It's really good, just really good. And um, Or if you have the book, um, Chris's Venture. Oh, yes. That's, That's right. They'll look at that just right next to um, me. Because there's a whole chapter on SSPX. This is, I just want to. 
this is his book, uh, Bishop um, Schneider. This is um. Do you? Uh, this is the book that's near me. I just wanted to also kind of feel included. <laughs> <laughs> that looks cool, dude. J.M. Cohen translation. This is an old. I have a, a slightly older one, I think, but I can't seem to find it. But um, Don Quixote. If you haven't read it, read Bishop Schneider's book and then read Don Quixote. Everything will make sense. But if you don't have the book, yeah, watch the video because the video is yeah. easy to find. Yeah. But what does he say? Right. He goes. How is it that you can have kind like full faculties in this sort of regard, but then this is this is like the absurdist position, you know? Yeah, like how, yeah. how could it be that this? And it, I think it describes it really well. But yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, it's like it's like how can you have like facilities for confession all the time? They have valid Eucharist, valid Mass, whatever. But like suddenly it's like, oh nope, you're shut off on these other sacraments yeah, that you're allowed for this out. sort of sacrament. There's not been anything like that in the church because we don't. The church doesn't really believe in canonically irregular statuses, except when a new order pops up and they're just kind of waiting to see, you know, like they just need their approvals from Rome or something. Um, yeah. This is, this is like legal baseball, you yeah, know? Um, and, and the thing, the thing about the trad infighting too, is like, <clears throat> there's some really obvious data that, that we, that we can look at, you know, is, is society in schism? No. Um, do they have canonical status? No. Can you go there? Yes. And, and there's so many like data points you can go through and, and get information on that. But there's almost nothing to be gained from all the trad infighting that you see on, on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're just lay people. And there's, there's, there probably hasn't been anything like this in the church up until now. Like the society, the status of the society and like that sort of thing, like that's relatively new. So you and me and like, you know, the Gordon brothers and like all, all like the other people, like we're not going to figure this out. This is going to be hashed out maybe in a council or I, yeah. I don't know, by a future Pope. And, and there's no, there's nothing to gain by like just duking it out over like something so stupid, you know, like just, I mean, the whole thing with the society over like the trad infighting in Twitter in regards to the society, it started because the Gordon brothers were the aggressors and they criticized uh, Taylor for going to the society on Easter. I mean, that's where it all started. Yeah. And then like they, you know, the, the Gordon brothers and Michael Forrest, they got together and they just kind of split off and, you know, blocked each other. And it's just like so dumb. And here's the problem, right? It's like, how much of a mockery do we make is we've talked about this. You talk about you're going to the society was purely for Christ. Yeah. And like, right. So this is, this is the reason why we're trad Catholics. So what do we get to gain by suddenly duking it out? Because we have to, we're, we're the apostles arguing amongst ourselves. Who is the greatest is what's happening here. <laughs> and I feel like, yeah. uh, uh, I was watching an episode of the chosen the other day and they're asking Jesus a bunch of questions. And Jesus is like, if this, if there's going to be all these questions, we're going to have a long time walking or something like that. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was just so, so kind of funnily true, but, yeah, this is something that's not going to be solved by the lady, except I suppose one could say just by attendance on things. But here's the thing. We're supposed to be frying bigger fish. And yeah. also, finally, I think about this all the time. There's a great amount of prudence that trads we need to have. I'm very fortunate. Uh, Glad Trad Podcast has a Twitter, but it's relatively defunct. We, don't, we, we just kind of use yeah. to post updates, kind There's of. not a lot of, yeah. Not a lot. It's not a lot of activity. Um, and Rudy and, 
and you and I just kind of as a form of our charisms, we're not, we're not infighting kind of guys, you know, like we, we think it's, it's, it can be funny to watch because it's a dumpster fire, but you don't want to jump in the dumpster fire. Um, but you know, one thing that I think about all the time is that, uh, if your brother sins, you tell him, you know, you go to him and you tell him privately. If he continues to sin, you take two or three amongst you and you say again. If he continues to sin, you take it to the church. And what the Twitterverse does with the trad sphere is we go, if I have a grievance, right? Like, t- obviously, like Taylor Marshall and Timothy Gordon were friends or are friends. I don't know what the heck it is, but they had a show and they, you know, I gather they're both very uh, type A, highly disagreeable uh, Catholic men. I like, work off that cloth. I completely understand the, the, the strain. So is Michael Morris and, and the Gordons and all that kind of guys. But the problem is, of course, is it's like, why would you voice such critical opposition that you, that with the purpose, you know, the purpose is it filial correction, but the purpose is, or maybe it's partially the purpose, but you know that a lot of it also is that this is going to be a public display on something that's going to dissolve the United Front. So how can we, on one hand, talk about how great it is to unite the clans and then turn around and publicly and openly just keep mudslinging each other into oblivion? And in all the midst of this, you'll notice how quickly Christ goes out the window. Like yeah. every single time, just freaking gone. Yeah. So I think, um, I think it's gone to the point where people just want to be right. Yeah. And... Maybe it started with a good intention, but I don't know. At this point, it's just forget it, man. Like, um, there are there are bigger fish to fry, and like we sort of hashed out. I mean, obviously, we didn't go into much detail, but like, let people go to the society if they if that's their only option. <laughs> if that's a look, let I just want people to fall in love with Christ in his church and I want them to know him. Yes. And there are parishes, your 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 hip I mean, and people say, Well, you'll be mean to the Novus Ordo. It's the lived experience. Literally. Everyone can point to everyone knows the hippy dippy parishes around them. Uh and go on like go on YouTube and yeah. then when we make a super cut, you'll see. Oh my gosh. Like I keep finding like I keep the worst ones there's entire pages like, about this this you know, this is this is the pro to being friends with jordan, jordan <laughs> finds, he finds cringe he's like the cringe master mm. and our thread uh between him and anthony uh-huh, and I, we call it the morning cancer so because so inevitably we just we we wake up to this cancer that yeah. i just <laughs> you know what I, <laughs> And to this point, this was our lived experience in a lot of places. Now, I will say that, look, my my parish I grew up at was not the worst of the worst. I think it was very middle of the road for what? Like growing up in Novus Order. It was guitar masses. Until high school, the the homilies were tended to be very lightweight. Um, And I took the faith seriously because of my parents. My parents instilled that in me. The family instilled that in me. But if it was just for the church and like CCD, I don't think I would have held it, you know? And So that's a lived experience. When people complain about the Latin mass back in the day, the biggest thing they talked about, and you see it with Charles Cologne, it was like, the low mass is over in 20 minutes. It's like, okay, yeah, that's a huge problem. Because that's, but when it comes to the, the, the Novus Ordo, what's your problem with the Novus Ordo? We're like, I'm sorry, where have you been the past our entire lifetimes? Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Part? Like, have <laughs> we not, 
Like I, the fact that I find a live stream in 2020 for the, it's not the, it's not the Gloria. It's the, it's the glory to God in the highest. Cause it's, it's not even worthy of the Latin, but you invite these kids up on the altar, which becomes a stage to pull tambourines and drums and shout around. And that's somehow going to cultivate and 90% of them are out the door after confirmation. You know, like in those, in those five years, four of those years, I was a confirmation teacher Mm -hmm. and teaching those kids at the very end when I was ready to leave, I was, I was thinking if I leave here, these kids aren't going to get anything out of this program. Yeah. <laughs> it was that bad. Wow. And that's not, that's not an isolated event. I mean, you see these kids, they, they grow up in it. They don't understand it because there's no, there's no anchor point in the mass anymore. And um, it doesn't make sense. It's not explained to them. And these kids are going to go and never come back to the church. I mean, we talked about that. Yeah. Back, like, what was the percentage? 80% of the kids don't come back. I, I bet it's higher now. My my local, uh, I went to when I saw a what the a Latin mass versus the Norse order was at my, at my Hicktown church that I grew up at. Never thought I'd ever see that talk. But the priest, I told the priest, I was like, look, I think 75%, or I said 50. So I, I was like, look, 50, 75% of my confirmation class, I don't think go to mass. And he was like, oh, more like 90. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think that that's true, especially in these Mm -hmm. lockdowns. Like I have family members that, you know, they're just like, you know, skirting off the ether because of this. And one thing I just want to bring up real quick is something that I I find very good about traditional Catholics. We don't shut the heck up about the mass. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like when we talk about Christ and Christ church, we, we talk, we spend so much energy on the mass because it is our highest form of worship that we can bring here on earth. It is the pinnacle of our Catholic faith. And I love how traditional Catholics on these blogs and in chats and in this conversation, I love how the mass is always at the forefront. And that's something that I really wish was more impressed across the whole of Catholicism because unfortunately it just isn't. There's a joy that I, like, there are so many parts of Latin mass I don't understand. I don't, I don't know why this happens here or how this happens, but I have such a desire to figure it out. And, you know, it's like just, and when you take that knowledge, you're like, oh my gosh, that's why it is. Um, Father Fryer, I'll plug this. Uh, Father Fryer has a great EWTN, you know, exactly. A great EWTN yeah. uh, talk on Latin Mass with Father Mitch Pacwa. Uh, it's on EWTN's YouTube, if you just, you know. And it's, it explains so many parts of the Mass. And what's funny is that the Latin Mass is ever old, ever new, right? It is, it is a Mass for the ages, purely. And there yeah. is such a love and depth. And I feel like so many times because the Novus Ordo makes it incumbent upon the priest to, to proselytize or to, to have jocularities or to, uh, to, have geriat- to do geriatrics and everything. The mask becomes a lot of times, and priests will attest to this, that go from uh, versus populum to ad orientum, that it becomes a sort of a show and that you have to perform. In Latin mass, it focuses you. And that's such a great way to fall in love with Christ, the best way. Absolutely. 
Yeah, finding the Latin Mass was the one of the greatest gifts. I got to thank you for that. I'm. Uh, I'll never forget. Maybe it's buried extraordinarily deep because I don't delete my text messages. But I'll never forget that one. There was so Rudy. Uh, there was two weeks, and he was supposed to come with me the first week, but and he didn't. But I caught. I I caught. I met up with you like very shortly after that Sunday or whatever. And you know what you told me? You told me see you at mass, and you hadn't been yet to Latin mass. But that's what that's what you told me. Uh, <laughs> and you have to understand, people. You have to understand. I was the first of our friend group to. I I really felt alone, honestly, because, you know, yeah. I I met so many of my my friends who i'm still friends with now but people good catholic people at my nervous order and then just to kind of wake up one day and be like i'm not fed and i discovered latin mass and i don't know if i can tell anybody about this like i don't know how to i don't know how to share this great thing that i found because they're gonna look at me like that guy to come out of the, the closet uh-huh and 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 when we meet up for the young adult group or something like that, I felt like I was like that guy. <laughs> like, like, oh, Jordan went trad, and I was like, I'm still here. Um, so I'm still same guys, still here. So yeah, for you to for you to kind of to kind of walk with me in that kind of fashion, I am I am extremely grateful for because uh, what what proof positive that tradition is the future of the church that it really is a wellspring and. The fact that I remember when you were saying like after one match, you were like this, you were like, this is so beautiful. I want to go back. I don't know how to tell Ashley about this. Like, I don't know what she'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember having that fear with Jen. I remember being like, I'm, you know, I'm dating a Catholic girl, but like the Latin mass is new to her. And what happens if she goes like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of not into it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then for Jen to fall in love as she's fallen in love and, you know, just that wellspring and, and what it means for our, our children and our children's children. That, that Catholicism is back as a focus of the family again. Just absolutely yeah. wonderful. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. about restoration. Yeah. To restore all things in Christ. And that's what's happening. Yeah. God doesn't abandon us. He, he doesn't leave us to our own devices. He, he brings up people like Lefebvre to preserve the Latin Mass a little okay. bit. And then after that, the fraternity comes from them. And uh, then we have Pope Benedict who gives us the, the Latin mass. So you don't have to ask for permission. You can just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now um, throughout all of these lockdowns and stuff, we see the growth of tradition. And uh, in a really small kind of way, we're, we're the next step, right? Just like you mentioned, our families are going to be traditional. And then maybe their family is going to be traditional. And this is a restoration. It's an act of restoration. I can't wait to see that. There's a beautiful prayer in, in, the, uh, in the nuptial mass. Um, I think it's prayed on. It's prayed on, it's pra- it's prayed on the bride. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have it, but um, I'll paraphrase it. it. It says something like, may you see your children's children, 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 children's children from like, I don't know how many generations, but I, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see my, my grandkids 
and and their children being raised in in tradition i think it's I, gonna happen i think i found it uh you found it yeah this it's is good. such a this is such a beautiful yeah. thing to close on you should read it okay so oh wow it's oh it's beautiful yeah okay so i'm just gonna scroll to, it's a longer <laughs> prayer so i'm just gonna scroll towards the bottom here and it goes um may she be modest and grave bashful and venerable and well instructed in heavenly doctrine May she be fruitful in her offspring, approved and innocent, and may it be at length her happy lot to arrive at the rest of the blessed uh, in the kingdom of God. May they both see their children's children to the third and fourth generation and live to their wished up for old age, through our Lord Jesus Christ, and so on and so forth. Uh, and it does again, may the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob be with you. And may he fulfill his blessing in you. And may you see your children's children to the third and fourth generation and afterwards enter into possession of eternal life through the assistance of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is with the Father and the Holy Ghost, liveth, etc. Jordy, you're going you're gonna to experience that. I'm you're like, actually, I'm like, how, actually. How are you doing? Oh, gosh. I'm actually kind I'm of excited. Getting, I'm getting a little sentimental now. Not, I don't even know if sentimental is the right word, but I, I'm excited and I'm, I am overjoyed. I'm excited and I'm terrified and I'm so, what I've realized in this, in these past six months, in this past year, for heaven's sake, Jen and I have been together for a year and a half. It'll almost be our engagement anniversary on her birthday on the 10th. And I have realized we have gone through the whirlwind. I could not yeah. imagine I could be this happy that I could have ever learned about my frailties, my failings, that I could ever like see what the stuff of, of true serious love is the love that, that, you know, the, the love that really would have you laid out your life for your spouse. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, it's, I'm so, I've been so meditating so much on the sacramental importance of marriage and what it means to me to be a husband and a father. Uh, and I, that's all I want to do. I pray my, it's funny how your prayer life shifts. I remember when I used to pray for my future spouse, Without a name, I was like out there in the ether. And now she has a name. And so now I've, I've been praying for, uh, for the gift of good husbandry, um, that I may be a good head of my household, that, that I may see my children, my children's children, and the, that I may be a blessing to my wife, that, you know, and that she may be a blessing to me. But I mean, it's, it's exciting. And sometimes it's easy to get lost in the whirlwind of preparations and what's going to come next and how are we going to do this and what steps. But when I take a step back, like, oh man, I can't, I can't wait to be where you're at, Rudy. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> You'll get I can't there. Wait to, I can't wait to, I can't wait to, to be buying a, buying a new bed <laughs> my, with my oh, wife. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I gotta tell you, I mean, it, it's, it was really cool. You know, I guess people don't really do Black Friday deals on beds, but Yo, we ended man. up going into this store in Burbank. And they have this computerized bed where you lay down and the the bed, I guess, has sensors in it. So it'll detect where your your pressure points are and it suggests what kind of firmness you need. Yeah, I've seen those. <laughs> this is like really futuristic. I got sad because when you said computerized bed, I had this image of you being able to play Rocket League with the Rose without disturbing yeah. Ashley. <laughs> 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 they ask you too they're like do you ever watch tv in bed or like i don't know do you like 
go on your computer bed? I'm like, nah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no TVs in the bedroom. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard. I heard. We actually, it was, don't have a TV in our house. You know, I technically speaking, I don't. But I say only technically because I do have a projector for when we watch some mm. movies. I guess. Um, but you know what I've seen? Stephen Crowder did, told, said this on one of his shows once. And he was like, yeah, he, him and his wife have a no electronics in the, in the bedroom policy. Um, that's important. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, you know, it's, it's, your, it's, your, it's, your most, it's, a, it's a war room chamber for good and for bad. Yeah. So, and yeah, I, I mean, I have my computer here, but that's only because like, yes, you know, that's just like the, I, where I'm living right now. It kind of makes no sense. But I could totally see that. Like what what the master bedroom looks like and what it means and everything uh yeah, yeah there won't be there won't be a lot of no tvs in the in the bedroom completely with no. um geez how so so hang on so you are you you guys got married in june mm-hmm. october november yo you're coming up on six months my six dude months, yeah look yeah. at that look <laughs> at that look at that still newly married glow <laughs> <laughs> How's the adventure been? I have a couple of grays. I don't know if you could tell, but yeah, all right. Well, I mean, women will do that, married or not. I suppose it gets worse. Wait till the kids come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez, Louise. I'm I'm proud of you. I'm, I I uh, it's it's you know what else is nice? It's nice to be around married men. I work with a lot of married men. I'm going to be a married man. Like it's important. That's something that doesn't really exist in the industry too much. Uh, yeah. So it's like a whole kind of host. People are like, yeah, I gotta you know gotta nope doing this with my wife today or like their priorities are in order, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, you're right. Because I mean, I, I work in a secular company, so yeah. Um, marriage looks different. Most of, most of the time it's just like hookup culture. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I know. you can't really share that with anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't really share your life with anyone there because they don't get it. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I have, um, I'm surprised I haven't gotten in trouble for it, but I have uh, uh, a mechanical keyboard. I, I like mechanical keyboards. <laughs> Naturally. I, love mecha- I like the clacky, uh-huh. really loud ones. So I have one of those at work. Um, and actually, I can't, I can't prove this, but I think it makes me more efficient. Anyway, this keyboard, <laughs> uh, this keyboard, I have three prayer cards on it. And one of them is like a prayer against abortion mm-hmm. and then like the prayer of the confraternity. And then another one of, uh, it's called three Hail Marys. But um, the abortion one is like the forefront and it's like, it's pretty obvious. So if you ever go to my desk and people have done it, my boss has gone to my desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they get really uncomfortable. <laughs> This is, you know, the best part about being a trad, trads are though, we are literally, so um, we're, we're going to literally outbreed the secularists. Yeah. And as, yeah, as, as early as, as early as 2030, this is going to be noticeable. So uh, Dr. Steve Turley talks about this a lot on his show, but he talks about the rise of the new conservative age and tradition and all this happy stuff. But one thing that's cool is he's like, uh, traditional Christians across the board, and we know this, especially traditional Catholics, uh, we have like we perceive that children are blessings and so therefore like that's a sign of a good fruitful marriage and we love kids and we welcome kids however they come and so therefore we we don't and we don't kill our kids so so we have more and there is data now pew research data that shows that traditionalists are having 
like sizably more children than even Novus Ordo Catholic. So talk about yeah. a tale of two churches, you know, it's interesting. So um, I think that's awesome. So uh, now the only unfortunate thing is this means that we're going to have to deal with the, the, the Muslims like again at some point, because they too are having a lot of kids in this time in Europe. So <laughs> just the age old story. Yeah. yeah. They're just giving them Europe now. So. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it used to be that they fought for it, but mm-hmm. come on in. Well, it's okay. Our kids will have to sort it out. Ayo. <laughs> if you're a Muslim convert, do it. Come come home. Stop being a heretic. Mohammedanism to you. <laughs> if you're if you're any of them convert. So um anyway, dude, I I think that's an extremely good conversation, long in the tooth, which is very, very good. Um cool. Th- thank you everybody who continues to support us with your prayers with your likes, with your shares, with your clicks. The most important thing you can do, of course, is to continue to pray for, for Rudy, for Ashley, for Genevieve, for myself, for our, the health of our families, for our podcasts, for our faith. Um, and also, please, if these videos are beneficial to you or somebody that you know, uh, sharing is an extraordinarily effective way to help us grow. We are almost to 400 subscribers on YouTube. And I don't even know where we're at in... Um, in podcast land, but it's very healthy in podcast land. In fact, we had a, we had a comment recently and the guy said, I thought you guys were only in podcast form on iTunes. And I found out you guys have your YouTube. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. So that's more yeah. feedback is great. Uh, so if you would tell us how you listen to us as well, uh, that's uber helpful and what kind of shows we want to tailor. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of really good in the pocket stuff now, but you know, we have mm-hmm. a lot of different sorts of segments and sub-segments too that, uh, that I think are pretty helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you have questions, um, again, we mentioned it in the last episode, but um, if you have questions that you'd like us to, to tackle from, from our perspective, we'd love to do that. Uh, Jordan's done one on um, do uh, Catholics worship Mary. Do <laughs> we? A really good one. Do it. Do it. That's a, it, it was a really good one. If you're, uh, if you have, you know, somebody in the family who's maybe a Protestant yeah. and, uh, you know, you want to, you want to share that with them. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I've done one on, uh, funny. I just realized most of those videos are actually about the blessed mother, but, um, we did that's one. Our, that's our girl. <laughs> yeah. We did one on, uh, on the rosary and why we we most trads don't pray the luminous mysteries um and we'd love to do more yeah so hit us up with some questions give us some hard ones we'll we'll, t- yeah, we'll take the hard on. ones why do you guys have so many kids don't you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. uh cool dude i got well. real why <laughs> if God why? Real, why don't i have a gf why right <laughs> why 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 lefebvre shave his beard that's the one that i want to know i think that was actually his his excommunication moment by the way uh, <laughs> i'm fond of archbishop lefebvre but i gotta tell you dude you should not have this, shaved beard. he looks fine without a beard but that beard. beard looks so good like geez louise i'm actually angry. i just want to say he looks he looks so boss in like his clericals man uh-huh yeah dudes <laughs> Oh my gosh! Tradition. <laughs> he did to design it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that book. Look, he's doing, he's doing a white power. Oh, the, don't! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. People, I'm just joking. People oh my god, that. that's a symbol, but it's not. It's not. 
Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke, people. We got you. I think our I think our subscribers are smarter than that. I think at this point, like if you're a traditional Catholic or you're interested in our stuff, like <laughs> you're not being like, wait a second, was CNN right? Oh, shut the heck up. <laughs> yeah, wait, was CNN right about something? Was Lefebvre wrong and CNN right? If Lefebvre <laughs> right, why CNN? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Checkmate. Mm-hmm. Checkmate Ecclesia Day. That's right. Checkmate Benedict. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Alright everybody All right. from us at the Glad Chad Podcast. God bless you. May I keep you. We'll see you on the next one. Adios.